You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Rosario. I'm a reinvention coach and author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. Today's episode is a little bit different. It's not quite a solo episode. It's not quite an interview, but I'm here with my incredible wife, my incredible partner in crime, and my incredible teammate, I should say. And we are going to discuss our reinvention into parents. This is a topic that she and I talk a lot about. We reflect on a lot and we were thinking that, wow, we really approached becoming parents in a very deliberate way. And we thought that this was perhaps one of the most important reinventions that we went through ever in our lives. And we did it together and it was one that had to be done together. Although honestly, like every reinvention that I've gone through in the last like six or seven years has been with you. And same goes for you. We've done that together. But this is what we're going to focus today's episode. Babe, you want to just kind of let folks know a little bit more about you, those who don't know you at this point? Go for it. Sure. So um, I'm Rowena, obviously his wife, and I'm a person that does a lot of things. I work for Google in sales, which means a very active and dynamic career, professional life. At the same time, I am a yoga teacher. I am also an author and Sophia's mom. <laughs> yeah, that's a big title that you have now. So, and I'm Sophia's dad. I should say, like, hi, <laughs> my name is Roger Osorio. I'm a reinvented coach, Sophia's father, uh, and all that. And actually, it's funny because this is actually what we're known as throughout the building that where we live because everyone knows Sophia. They don't know us necessarily because they might see Sophia with her grandfather or they might see Sophia with her nanny yeah. and then they meet Sophia and then they're like, oh, you're Sophia's parents. And I'm like, Yes. I mean, we have names, but yes, Sophia's parents is fine. Uh, and so, yeah, this is uh, an important title that we have. So let's jump into it. You know, one of the things that inspired us to have this particular conversation and what we're going to focus on is starting with the period when we were pregnant and and what that looked like. And and even to getting to that point, and we'll talk a little bit about the decision to to do this and the journey that we, the particular journey we embarked on. But then also what that journey was like and how we navigated it together because we were both going through the same reinvention at the same time. Granted, experiencing it differently, she was physically experiencing it. I was more figuratively experiencing it. But nonetheless, we were both becoming parents. And so this was something that we did with a great deal of intention. And we've been reflecting on this a lot because we we felt that, honestly, we're really proud of ourselves for what we did and how we handled it. You know, we... We unfortunately heard a lot of horror stories about this time and and we're like, we don't want that. Uh, we made some really big decisions up front that no, we will not accept that. We will set a higher standard. I don't remember how Tony Robbins says it. It's obviously sounds way better when he says it. 
what does he say about standards? It's like that the life you get is based on the standards is a direct correlation with the standards that you set. Yeah. So basically, if you want an incredible life, you know, you have to set really high standards. And that's what we did during that period of being pregnant. We set really high standards for what we wanted. So yeah, there were some horror stories we heard and people warned us about a lot of things. And those were good to hear the warnings so that we can mitigate any risks around them. But at the end of the day, we were chasing high standards for this. And by high standards, we don't mean trying to be high achievers or like overachievers or anything like that. It was more about high standards in terms of living to our values, living to our purpose, living to our passions and what matters to us and doing it in the way that is truly and uniquely and authentically us. So even when people said, oh, you should do this, you should that, you should do that, which if you're not pregnant and you're getting pregnant or in that process, you're going to hear that a lot. But it's really important. We decided like, all right, there's some things that, yes, we were inspired and we borrowed some of those ideas, but there were many that we had our own vision for how we wanted to do it. And we approached it that way. And it really led to an incredible experience. And we want to share that experience, um, certain moments and highlights. So I'm going to kick things off real quick here. The first topic that we want to talk about is how we made the decision. So, you know, we'll kind of go back and forth, but I'll just kind of kick it off. So we went through the IVF process in order to get pregnant. And so naturally, because you do it through the IVF, there's a lot of planning, right? And there's a lot of timing, appointments and all of that. And of course, while you can't predict that the IVF will work on the first try, you do know that every time you're trying, there is the possibility that that's the moment that, you know, the clock starts ticking and, you know, you might become pregnant. And so let's talk a little bit just briefly, because I think this is an important topic. We've mm-hmm. talked to women and you've talked to women as well. This is not spoken a lot about, you know, and, and same thing with talking to guys too. Like, like no one really talks about this. And then when I talk about it and I say, oh, we did the IVF thing, you're like, oh my God, so did we. Exactly. And I'm like, well, how did I not know this? Like, you never talked about this. And we talked all about you guys being pregnant. Yeah. I was there when you guys were pregnant and you never mentioned this. So, you know, why don't you talk about the IVF process and that decision and that experience? Yeah, well, first of all, plus one to what you just said in, you know, you know, in the world of women, the moment that I opened and up to, to talk about our process, I understood that a lot of my friends went through the same process and I didn't know, or, you know, getting ready for that process. And again, I didn't know this goes to show how we're still learning how to bring uh, this conversation in, you know, in the public space. And so to to come back to your question, I would say that, you know, it wasn't, as I'm sure it's not for any woman that's going through this, an easy decision to make or an easy process, uh, but it was something that w- it was so important for us that, you know, whatever it took, we decided that we have to go through it. And as a couple, that can definitely, because we've seen examples, can take a toll. Because the experience for a woman's body, it can be uh, very difficult. So here is where teamwork is so extremely important. And thank goodness that, you know, we have each other as partners and as great, great, you know, teammates since the beginning, I would say, in everything we do. And that has been the through line of the um, our pregnancy. Yeah. Because one thing that I, I think it's very, very important to bring again into the public space is just the fact that pregnancy is a, you know, two-player a two-player sport. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, especially the IVF process. Uh, I mean, 
I mean, it can be one player, I suppose, but if you are in a relationship, I think it's an opportunity yeah. for it to become a two-player experience because, you know, and we won't go into all of the, this is not a, an episode on the IVF process. However, there's a lot of uh, treatments, injections, and things like that. And I remember that when that process started, I was on all of the calls with the doctor because I wanted to know everything that was happening, how it all worked, and I really wanted to understand this, all the procedures. Mm -hmm. uh, they sent, you know, syringes, they sent medicine. We had to make cocktails of medicine, like mix this, twist that, then, you know, wait for this to dissolve and, yeah. and extract that into a syringe and then inject that, you know, and, and I, I guess, you know, I, you know, Rowena could have just done that on her own, but this was, I saw that little role as my thing. I could do that. I could be the one who injects the syringe. I could be the one who learns that part. It was the most that I could do in that situation or the least, or I don't know what you want to call it, but it was a role where I'm like, well, look, I'm not going to be the one that's experiencing the medicine inside, but, and, and the rush of hormones and all the things that they inject you with, but you know, I want to feel a little bit of the discomfort of, and it was not comfortable injecting my wife, you know, with syringes, it's not something that I know how to do. I don't have that experience. I watched a lot of YouTube videos to try to, you know, learn the best techniques and the best methods. I messed it up. I think the first time, you know, you were pretty badly bruised after like the first or second attempt, but then we figured it out yeah. and you know how to get the angles right. So without going into too many details, that was a, a role that I wanted to take very intentionally. And I, I said, like, I really want to have that role. And I think except for like, you know, when I had to travel and all of that, for the most part, I was the one doing that. Unfortunately, I did travel quite a bit, but whenever I wasn't traveling, I wanted to still be that person to do that. And so this experience was something we had to do together. But even going one step before that, making the decision. It's funny because I joke around now <laughs> when with life with Sophia, mm. our, our little girl, and I say, you know, hey, why did we do this sooner? Like, seriously, what was what was your hesitation? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've been saying we should have done, done this a long time ago. And of course, you know, she wants to slap me at that point or punch me in the face because, well, obviously she was actually trying to get this done sooner. And I was like, well, maybe we can wait, you know, let me finish my book first. Uh, you know, let me finish this first. Let me finish that first. And all these like delays. And it, you know, just the short version of this is that once it happened and once we started moving towards due date, I just thought, wow, why did I ever wait? And once Sophie arrived, it was like, what was I thinking waiting this long? Not that we waited that long or anything like that. We did really actually, you know, think about this, but, but I definitely gave, like, if I, if there was an opportunity to push it six months or a year, I was definitely the one you can give that credit to. I was the one who did that. So but it was, um, it was one of those decisions that I could never have known that in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it is a leap of faith. But what I would say to any, you know, maybe uh, aspiring father or somebody who's thinking about it is that there's only one way to find out, honestly. But what I can tell you, the good news is that when you do find out, you're, it's the greatest thing. When you learn, like, what it feels like, you realize, wow, like, why did I ever wait? Why did I ever delay this? Like, I should have done this a long time ago. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I constantly feel that <laughs> with Sophia as she grows up and all of that. I'm like, oh, wish we had done this like two, three years earlier. We couldn't have done it two, three years earlier, but, you know, maybe a year or so earlier. But I would ask you to, if you can, you know, just talk a little bit about how society portrays 
and why some men do have the fear of becoming parents um you know and 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 yeah just how you you were experiencing that fear where did it come from so i think again it's it's important to be addressed yeah i don't think a lot of people talk about this one yeah so i think that for me there were a few things i i, I couldn't help but think that i need to be financially well off and ready to rock and roll like you have to be you know solid when it comes to financials so there better be a lot of money in the bank there better be great income and i'm working on a business so building a business and it's only at the beginning so at that point there's not a lot coming through and and when we were talking about it at the beginning there was almost nothing coming through because i had just gotten laid off in 2020 and i was in the process of reinventing myself again and so there was no stability on my end so i felt almost like you know i'm not worthy of this like this is not like i can't do this yeah because i don't have what it takes to do this you know they say you have to be you know make sure you're ready make sure there's enough money make sure there's all the resources the space you need blah 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 all this kind of stuff and i think for me that was the biggest thing it was the financial mm -hmm. i mean I'm, I'm sure if we decided to do a whole episode on this i think there are probably two other things i could bring up but that was a big one for yeah. me was i never felt like if i wasn't financially ready then i'm not ready and and that was what I didn't feel when we, when we were initially talking about it. And I was at, in the early part of that, like, you know, just had gotten through that layoff and now I'm reinventing myself and starting the school of reinvention. This was before the way before the podcast and all of that. I mean, the podcast only came after Sophia was born. Mm -hmm. So, which is an interesting thing because there's nothing more inspiring than your little one. Like it, I mean, if you need a dose of purpose. I'm not saying go have a little one just for that purpose, but I'm saying if you're thinking about it, promise you like you will work, you find another gear and it's like a great gear. It's like a, a, like a performance gear that you're like, wow, I just turned into, I mean, I was maybe doing okay. And maybe I was like a nice car, like a nice BMW or a nice Mercedes, but I just went into like, you know, Ferrari mode. like I'm in Ferrari, <laughs> like, and, and it's super cool to see like yeah. what that's like. Honestly, a lot of that, the credit goes to Sophia because yeah. she provides that dose of inspiration that i could not have unlocked in any other way there was truly no other way i could have unlocked that in my life and so i'm really glad that i did that but for me that was the thing that held me back it was it was the finances and thinking about that but then on that same note remember like well, how we had the conversation about our parents yeah exactly and and i feel like that's the that's the crazy thing right so you talk about that because we we've talked about this thing a lot this idea First of all, I want to say that, you know, what Roger said to and, and kind of addressed it to uh, future fathers or, or the fathers that are thinking about becoming or guys that are be thinking about becoming parents is the same way goes for women. You know, I am a very ambitious, I would say, you know, woman and having kids at the big when I was, let's say, in my early 20s seemed Seem like that could be definitely something that could stop my uh, growth in my career. And maybe it would have been the case, let's say, if I would have been under 20 or whatnot. But the same gear that Roger just mentioned, that came into being for me as well. You know, and we we actually want to walk you through what we have accomplished during pregnancy, both of us. And since Sophia has arrived on this world, I think that the gear that extra gear that Roger mentions is, in my opinion, just an access to this very 
different and deep and incredible form of love that honestly, at least I, and even I, I am so grateful that I'm surrounded by love right through my family and, and friends and, and, and Roger, but it's so different, right? It's, it's so different that it, and it gives you that strength, that power that maybe that we don't even think that we knew exists in us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing that we always talk about is all these things that have hold us back from making that decision. And then I think to myself, but wait a minute, my parents had, you know, my sister and me with a fraction of the resources that I have. And, you know, Rowena and I have together. I mean, you know, they didn't have college degrees and we have multiple degrees. <laughs> you know, the experiences, the skills that we've developed, the, the things we've already achieved. I mean, nowhere near, like my parents were nowhere near that. And, and my gosh, they were rock stars in raising my sister and me. And so I think to myself sometimes when this was the thought that I used to help me overcome that limitation, that limiting belief was how dare I, how dare I say that I, I can't do this when, you know, my parents did this and, and they are the ultimate proof that for me, because they're the closest proof for me. And not just them, but I think about where I grew up and many other parents where I grew up also, you know, they had their kids, they built families, they had fulfilling moments, they had fulfilling experiences, they, they raised great children. And with, you know, none of those resources that we have available. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was, a, that was a really important thought for me because that made me think. Realization, no, no, yeah. Yeah. Like, my gosh, I. We have it so freaking good. Yeah. Like how how dare I ever allow that belief to be, that limiting belief to stop mm. us from doing something really special? Mm. And so, and the same for you. Yeah, you know when you think about your family and your upbringing, exactly. And you know, you and your brothers and sister, it's just like, yeah, it happens. So, man, how dare we say, oh, but the finances aren't right and this and that? And honestly, you find a way to make it work. My parents found a way to make. <laughs> I, every time we were worried about money for a moment, we would say, look, my parents found a way to make it work. Your parents found a way to make it work and they didn't have anything we have. So man, this is good. We're fine. We'll be fine. We will yeah. find a yeah. way like yeah. this. This is not going to be something where we just roll over and die. We're not going to do that. So, so then maybe you can turn this on again. Yeah. So then, you know, we want to talk about a little bit what happened during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So going into this decision and then of course, now we start the process. We go through IVF and you become pregnant. At this point, it's February, March of 2022, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm about halfway into my book writing journey. And so for me, this is part of like why I also pushed off saying like, maybe we wait until early 2022, because then that means that Sophia will be born after the book launches. And, and that was like, and, and we agreed on that timing. We're like, okay, then that's, you know, that's fine. And it made sense for a lot of other reasons too. But see, that was that thinking. It was like, oh, I need to be ready when it comes to like, you know, being an author or this and that. And, and it was like, honestly, it, she's proof that it didn't need to matter because Rowena started writing her book in February. Mm -hmm. um, the, that same year. Yeah, like weeks just before you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. You started writing, you started your program yeah. to write the book and you began the, the book writing journey at that point. And, and you finished the book even after like you have to put the finishing touches on the book, like hardcore finishing touches in the six weeks after, right? After Sophia arrived, I think it was four to six. That's true. Weeks. Yeah. That's when you did the final edit. 
yep. the final revisions, working mm-hmm. with the revisions editor, mm-hmm. copy editing yep. team, and all of that. All of that happened in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the very end, which is like nuts. Like that's, that's crazy. You know, and then the book, I think, arrived in January or February or something like that, the actual book. So this is a big thing that, you know, it, it took a lot of effort, took a lot of time. There were, there were moments where I really needed to focus on my activities, writing the book and all of that. She had to do the same. And we overlapped from February to September. Mm-hmm. That's when my book launched. And then it was kind of, ah, okay, done. And, and most of the actions are complete. But this was a really important project to us. And, and I felt like for me, at least, and you'll, you, you know, please share how you felt. But for me, there was, it was such a great inspiration, you know, to like, all right, I want to be this published author that when Sophie is born, I want her to be born and say like, your think, you know, or one day know that, oh, wow, I was born and my dad was a published author. Mm-hmm. Like that was a motivating yeah. idea. That was a big thing. And that helped me get to the finish line of a process that, you know, there were times where I wasn't sure, mm-hmm. will I finish this book on time? Will I ever finish this book? And I, in my mind, I'm like, I have to, <laughs> I want to be done before she gets here. Yeah. Same uh, for me became such a big inspiration. So in, in my book, I, I write the preface, I, I write the intro thinking about my daughter, but this is before we knew that we have a daughter. So the moment that we knew that, you know, it gave my efforts so much, so much more meaning okay. Then the reason why I wrote the intro to my daughter is because the, the book is written for young girls, a gypsy young girls, a Roma young girls. So knowing that I'm going to have a Roma young girl that's mine, you know, gave it so, so much more uh, meaning. And therefore, so, you know, I think one of the fears or the, the, the reasons why some of my friends, you know, think when about becoming a mom with a little bit of, um, yeah, maybe not expecting it uh, as much. Uh, I, maybe fear is too much, of, too, too strong of a word. But in that way, it's because of this idea that once we become parents, we lose our individuality, you know? And what I would say is that what in our case, it definitely didn't happen. We still are doing, you know, our projects are our, 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 the things that we really care for, like our books that we not only brought to life, but bringing them to life became so much more meaningful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Br- bringing our books uh, to life became so much more meaningful. And at the same time, I feel like from a very practical standpoint, being parents makes time, you know, you don't have as much time as you used to have before. That's for sure. That's clear. But the, the funny thing that happens is that we become so much better with our time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the time that we had thought, you know, that it would take us to, to launch a book and to do, to do everything that, that relates to a book. So you were saying that I had to finish, to give the finishing touches in December or January, which is correct. When Sophia was like a few weeks or so, because she was born late November, what happened was that I knew so well how to, I knew it just came to manage my time, you know, because I had so little uh, when I, when I was so focused that I managed to finish. And and now hearing, you know, the stories of, of other friends that became moms um, and some moms have, you know, two or three kids, something very similar happens. They become so much more focused with their time. 
so and they get more practical so therefore something that would maybe take me a week or two to do now i'm doing in, in a day or two yeah, yeah exactly which is crazy yeah because and this is a thing that uh, applies to creativity and mm. innovation mm. because a lot of times you know we think oh if i had more time and space i could really come up with some great ideas to some extent that is true and some people think you know when i think about people that i've coached or spoken to about the journey to reinvention oh if i if i quit my job then i would have all the time i yeah. need to really make this business work. i hear that a lot like that and i'm like i don't know i don't know if that's the thing that's holding you back i don't think it's a it's a lack of time or anything like that i think it's just that you're not pulling the trigger on making that happen mm -hmm. that's what i think is really what's holding you back at the end of the day and once you quit you find and i learned this the hard way and i've heard many other people who learned this the hard way you have way too much time to space and that actually makes you less productive less creative less innovative so interesting but when you capture when you trap that time and you condense it or you restrict it you learn to work within that who is it is it elon musk or somebody who has that thing like you know if if you have you know a day to clean your house you'll clean your house in a day if you have three hours to clean your house you'll clean your house in three hours mm -hmm. it really just depends on how much time you have to do it but you'll do it in whatever time you have to do it you allocate it yeah and and that's it and the thing goes when you have a baby all of a sudden it's like yeah time is shrunk down a bit so you get the things done a lot more quickly. Yeah. And so, you know, when we were going through that experience, there were a few things that happened, right? One was Robina was going through a process at work where she was uh, working towards a really big promotion to uh, a very different team than what she had been on prior mm -hmm. to that. And so it was a really big move. And, you know, that was, I even forgot that you were right. That was yeah, like you forgot about was. But that's what also, and we knew that when you did that, you were going to have all this travel to London and all of that. And we thought very carefully about all those things and thought, okay, how do we make that work? And I remember one of the ideas that we came up with, which we executed in the end, was that I would travel with her, especially as she got more pregnant because she would need help, you know, even something as simple as carrying her suitcase and putting it overhead in the bin overhead. I mean, somebody I'm sure could help, but no, I wanted to be the one to help. I wanted to be there to make sure that she could go to the office and everything else would be taken care of. Like, you know, I could, I could, you know, well, let's go get you breakfast. Let's go make sure you get everything you need. You took your medicines, whatever, all the things you had to do, like, you know, every little detail, like it could have been done on her own for sure. But no, I wanted to be her teammate on that. So we looked at those trips and I'm like, I'll, I'll take them all with you. And we did. And one of those ended up being really expensive. I feel like, oh my gosh, like this, maybe we don't do it this time, but, but we did it anyway. Yeah. And we spent a crap ton of money on that ticket and I went with you and I was there to support you through all of that. And so that was a very deliberate thought. And that was something that, you know, it was a really great example of how we worked together to navigate mm -hmm. that promotion process and then getting that job and onboarding because then she thought to herself that she needed to onboard really strongly uh, because she was going to go on maternity leave like about what was it like five months five months into the new role you went on maternity leave so you needed to make an impression in five months mm -hmm. and make sure that like they were excited to welcome you back <laughs> and so you did that and that was us working together you had your absolutely yeah. you went on maternity leave like three weeks before the due date mm -hmm. so at the beginning of november mm -hmm. and so then you knew that okay like as of like November 1, you're done. So you better, like that was your target. But that was one of the things that was happening during that time. In the meantime, I'm finishing my book. 
I've got speaking engagements that I'm traveling for as well. And we're doing these together at times, like where she's coming with me as well. And we figure let's enjoy this travel opportunity. I actually, one of the speaking gigs was we turned it into our baby. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great story because we had, I didn't even know about the concept of a baby moon, but someone. Neither did I. I thought, what is that? Yeah. that it's kind of like that last big trip you take, yeah. um, and, you know, right before that point when you can't travel anymore and <laughs> while you're pregnant. I'm like, oh gosh, I didn't know. And, you know, people do like go big on these trips. I didn't even know about this. And so I go, gosh, how do we do that? <laughs> you know? And I think it was right around that moment that we learned about this, started talking about it and thinking about what could it be. I get an email yeah. from a potential client in Aruba to speak at a conference and in Aruba, in Aruba. And they're like, Hey, we want you to be the featured keynote. And you know, the, you know, it, the topic is reinvention and you're, you're the person for that. The person for sure. And then I'm thinking, when's the trip though? Like I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. When's the trip? And I think the original date was going to be around July or something mm -hmm. like that. And that was going to be really tough because you might have been in London, I think, in July, yeah. and which or, or or late June, early July, whatever, around there. So meaning like we probably would have to do these trips separately and it was going to be a bummer. And then we get the call. And I think this is actually when we started talking about baby moons. Mm. And they said, hey, bad news. We need to move the date of the event because we have there's like a conflict with another event or the venue or whatever. And they moved it to the very end of August, early September. So like, I think it was the last days of August, early days of September, something like that. And, and I thought, wait, you can't travel after September 20th. This is as close as we can get. What if we just stay an extra five days and turn it into our baby moon? Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. And it was really cool because we engineered that with a lot of, uh, with a lot of intention, mm -hmm. right? Like we, so I think the, the key idea here is that these things can't be guaranteed. I didn't know that I was going to get that call to exactly. Aruba. Exactly. Yeah. But we're always thinking in terms of how do we create alignment with the activities that are going on, the opportunities that are coming up. And that story, that moment was one of those opportunities where we really engineered the crap out of what we wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's like we took these pieces, the fact that you can't travel after like September 20th. I'm like, this is not September 20th. This is like two, three weeks before that. So you're safe. You're far enough before that. What else? We took the fact that I got the gig. We eased it. You spoke at the conference. <laughs> that this was interesting. Yes, too. I'm on the planning calls for this event. And they mentioned that a speaker dropped out. And they had a speaking spot left. And they didn't know what to do. And it was pretty close to the event. And I said, well, you know, Here's what my wife does. And I think that fits in really well into this theme and concept and like the, the theme of the event. And so I pitched her to them. They looked at all the stuff and they made the decision to take her. And, and I even had offered like, look, and we won't even take a fee for her. We'll take just like help us the out with the travel, cover her flight and all of that stuff. And so I thought, oh, this just became a baby moon. And, you know, the client was super generous, picked up a couple extra nights of hotel. We picked up the remaining nights. And it just became this amazing experience. But we really had to come at that situation with a lot of intention. Sure. We had to know what we wanted. We wanted a baby moon. We wanted this speaking opportunity. Because by the way, we took and we added yet another layer to this experience. So my book was scheduled to publish on September 20th. Mm. The first copies were supposed to be available closer to the 20th of September or the 22nd, I think was the official date. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, if I only had my book available that day, maybe not on Amazon or live everywhere, but if we had the copies, like enough advanced copies, then we could make my keynote the launch of the book. And I talked to the client. I asked them, would this even be okay? They're like, absolutely. This is like perfect. Like just the timing is insane. I go, I know that's what I think too. And so we went to the publisher and I, I begged them like to, if there was any way we can expedite the printing of something, what, like a hundred copies, not even a lot, just like a hundred, 150 copies. And they said, and in the end, we were able to work it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, we barely got them there in time. I mean, I think they arrived to the conference halfway into the event. So I'd already done my talk and then the book arrived like a few hours after that. And I was just like, we almost missed it, but it happened. So that event, keynote on reinvention, awesome, great speaking gig in Aruba, baby moon, and the official launch of my book earlier than it was supposed to happen. I mean, so many things came together and, and we're pregnant, you know, we're getting ready for a baby at this point. We're like months away from Sophia arriving. So the clock is ticking and we're getting much closer. This is the level of engineering that we apply to invent and reinvent ourselves into parents on our terms, the way we wanted to do it. And the same thing goes for getting ready for the book tour. I started to travel in September and October for the book tour. And I made a very deliberate decision that I had to be done with all book touring activities by the last day of October. Mm. I needed to be home. By November 1st so that I could be home safely three weeks before the due date. I figured then at least there's an, even with an early, you know, pregnancy, or at least the chances of that would not be so high. And I could be here to support my wife for the rest of the pregnancy, like hands-on, fully here, fully focused, nothing else going on. And that was it. We did that too. We made that happen. And what did we do during September, October? We ended up still going to London after Aruba, remember? For your last work trip before like before the doctor said, Hey, you need to stop traveling. Yep. We did that. We did the baby shout in early October. I, I visited, I think, I don't know. That, you had to start a city. I think so it was seven to ten cities during that period mm -hmm. of time. I think it was ten, closer to ten cities between mid September and end of October. Mm -hmm. With the last week being, I think, four cities back to back. Like I Flew somewhere, rented a car, and just drove to all the other cities and then flew back from the final city. And so we were able to do all of that, or I was able to get all of that done. And again, that was all teamwork and teamwork. That's the thing. Look, for all the, I'm talking a lot to the women that are yeah. listening to us, but to all the women listening to us, this is the level of possibility, honestly, in a relationship where we both have our back where you rely on the other person to the extent where, you know, the other person becomes this, another version of you almost. Yeah. You know, and, and that this is possible. If you, in the reality that, that I come from, this was not something that, you know, was remotely possible for, for me, the way that, that we, your culture the way that my culture the way that i was raised yeah. you know definitely this was not a possibility right because i grew up in a almost extremely patriarchal community yeah. but you know there are 
couples like this where we've met them we've met them we've they, met them they've, they've, they've inspired us yes uh, and they've Absolutely. inspired these possibilities yeah um, because that's what we've got a lot of yes exactly exactly we've yeah, seen we, the we met uh, in aruba we got to spend so much quality time and you know who you are uh, if you're listening with an incredible couple yeah. with two amazing amazing children who are one was, I think, uh, the daughter's 20 or 21, and the son is like 18 or something mm-hmm. like that. But they're roughly those ages. And, I mean, just the stories they shared with us, yeah. examples they gave us. Oh, my gosh. It's out there. It's out there. And, and exactly. we kept an open eye yeah. to those stories and those ideas. And, you know, a lot of couples stay well with because we love each other or whatnot. It, there's so much more to it than that in the sense that Yes, of course, there's a, a foundation of love, which I think there is in a lot of couples. But what gave this time uh, of us being pregnant and, you know, now a year and, and, and almost a half with Sophia, so much more meaning and so much more like quality of life, honestly. And, you know, and be, us being able to engineer the, the trips and the life that we had together and the beautiful experiences that we had together during that time while we were pregnant is the fact, what Roger said, that intentionality that we had with everything. There was nothing that was set, right? While you're pregnant, there's a blank slate as to what could happen. You know, uh, of course... The only thing we know is that you're pregnant. That's the only thing that... Exactly, exactly. And and believe us, the first three months were not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like everything was smooth in terms of health from the beginning. But even... If that happened, we still, we had a vision of making this a time that, a beautiful time for both of us. Unforgettable time, mm-hmm. not just a beautiful time, yeah. unforgettable time, which it became because we made it so. Yeah, and I think that's the key. That I think that's the main point of this conversation is that that's a decision that exactly. we made exactly. deliberately. And it was something that we knew we wanted to do and we're always engineering yep. our lives. And going back to, you know, what you said about it's not just this foundation of love or base base like foundation of love. It's also that I am so invested in your wins and successes and you're invested exactly. in mine. Yep. And so because of that, you know, when she's up for a promotion, I'm on team Rowena. What does that take? Because imagine you could go after that promotion by yourself or you could do it with help behind the scenes. And I could be that help behind the scenes. Because you're pregnant and there's a lot that, and you know, there were moments during the pregnancy and if anyone listening, you know, has been pregnant before, you know that, you know, obviously uh, the woman gets very tired, you know, mom to be gets very tired in moments, especially I think she forget with the first trimester or the second, I forget, but they're throughout the time you are tired. Yeah. You're tired the whole time because me, you're baking a human. Mm -hmm. And so naturally the body's like, yo, I need a break. I I need a nap right now or I'm, I'm going to knock out. And so during that time, I remember I'm hyper-focused on the book. I'm teaching at University of Pennsylvania and Sarah Lawrence College. Those are the main areas of focus in my life at that point in time. And then Rowena, how do I help her with that, with that promotion? How do I help her just be ready? And of course, you know, when she was done with a work day, a long work day of crazy meetings, I mean, she needed a nap at 5 or 6 p.m. before she could maybe even finish up a little bit more work. And so that meant that, okay, while she's napping, and literally I still remember 
Like, you know, you would knock out of the couch. You never knock out on the couch. Like that is not a thing you do, but she would be completely knocked out on the couch. And I would then, all right, let me clean everything up. Let me make sure the, you know, kitchen's cleaned up and all of that. Maybe get a head start on dinner or do all those things and just yeah. make sure that when she wakes up, she doesn't see like a mess or anything like that because I'd rather she feel like, oh, okay, cool. I can maybe finish up a few emails or do whatever work I got to do. And then we can, you know, have our dinner together and then, you know, we can go to bed or whatever we have to do. So this was all like, and, and the same goes the other way when I remember. So I did a writing retreat three months after when Sophia turned three months. Yeah. So, so, so I just three months old. We're brand new parents. First time. And there's this opportunity for me to go to Ireland for five days to begin work on book number two. And, and it's just a getaway, a time for me to focus and all of that. But that was something that, you know, I talked to Rowena about and, and she knew that this mattered to me. And so I had her support. And so she did everything she had to do to make that happen. And we engineered that. In fact, you engineered it so that your sister-in-law and nephew came to visit you during the days that I was gone. So you ended up not being alone. That was all done deliberately. And so the point here of this story is that, and this episode is that reinvention is a very deliberate process. And it is a process that also requires you to have a very specific outcome in mind. You have to first believe that anything is possible. Second, you have to then believe that you can find a way to make it happen. And that requires whatever engineering it requires. There are no guarantees in this. There's nothing that was you know, known in advance. When it happened, it happened. I didn't know about the speaking gate. We didn't know about any other things that were going to happen. We didn't know when she was going to get pregnant. It's the IVF process. We do know that it could happen, but we don't know if it will happen on the first try, the second, the third, the fourth. And unfortunately, we know couples where it, it doesn't even happen. Yeah. And that's a very difficult thing. And so, of course, we don't know going into this process what might happen. But what we do know is what we want. And by knowing what we want, we as moments come, as opportunities come, as problems come, whatever it is, we engineer those to get what we want. Yeah. We engineer those to create the opportunities and live the life that we want to live on our terms. However unconventional it might seem, however crazy others might think it is, it doesn't matter. This is what matters to us. And so we're going to do it our way. So during that pregnancy, we actually got married again. <laughs> we, had, we had been married already for that. We had gotten married uh, in courts here in the U.S. so that we could begin the immigration process yeah. then we did a symbolic wedding in santorini greece uh which was really just us in the end we didn't even invite anybody else and we did that on a kind of on a whim because we were going there anyway we thought wouldn't those pictures be beautiful <laughs> and they were they were uh that's our favorite picture that's on our wall in the living room and that's our little bug that you might be hearing scream and then we got married again um before sophia arrived in romania mm -hmm. at the in in her church which was something that was really important to Rowena. So we did that. We, I finished my book. She almost finished hers. She got her promotion. She kicked butt for five months. We had the baby shower. We did the book tour, traveled most of that together until you couldn't travel anymore. Although anywhere that I drove, you drove with me because mm -hmm. that was okay. Okay, all right. We went you to couldn't do the fire. You could do everything else. So that was really yeah. nice. And, and we got ready for Sophia. We had our baby moon. We caught COVID during the pregnancy, which was scary at the beginning because it happened in the very first trimester. So that was scary, but we navigated that. No one plans COVID. No one says, hey, you know what? Let's get COVID in March. And then we'll, you know, let's plan for that. No, 
it happens in the moment and we knew what was important and our health was the most important thing. Her health was even more important than mine at that point in time because she was baking the very beginning of a little baby and we were very concerned about that. So we made sure that we took care of everything that had to be taken care of for her to be okay and to recover quickly and to be back at it. So all of these things. Yeah, I just want to, absolutely, to that level of being deliberate, you know, and taking the almost the reins of, you know, what, what can happen in the sense that you, you design, you design to towards something by having and always keeping the, that faith. Because I, I think that's one of the things that, that was really, really important for our reinvention. It was the faith that everything will turn out okay. And also then the trust that we have in each other. And I think the faith and the, the trust, you know, made this journey the journey that it was. And I would want to add one very important thing that hopefully the, again, for the women listening to us, you know, I hear a lot from my friends and from women, generally speaking, about how they feel throughout that time, throughout that pregnancy, either neglected or they feel like, you know, the, the partner could have done more and the partner could have been more involved and so on and so forth. What I would say is this. I came across the other day on a definition of love and just super briefly, but I want to bring it up because I think some of us women, what we think love is, is a little bit misguiding the de definition that we have misguided. And the definition that we have is that the person that really cares for us in so many ways, you know, is the person that loves us. And the moment that they don't care for us in all the possible ways that we think, then we feel neglected. And this, in this definition of love, it says that love is the willingness to expand yourself for your own spiritual growth, but for the other person's growth. Wow. Yeah. And I feel that that encompasses at least the definition that I think we, we practice, we practice yeah. which is, you know, which is throughout the pregnancy and so on, like you said, you were very dedicated to my growth in, you know, in terms of career uh, but also to my well-being in general and, and so on. And I feel I, like I did the same thing, which is very important. This is that as Roger gave so much, although, yes, I was pregnant and yes, I was taking the, the journey of, uh, you know, when it comes to my physical body and so on, I was the one doing it, let's say. But still, I understood that throughout that time, Roger also needs to be supported. You know, I didn't stop thinking, oh, this time, this time only he has to do it because this is, you know, I'm going through a very, he can't go through the same process like me. I'm going through the process. He has to support me. I would. But we're still a couple. But we're still a couple. Exactly. We're still a team. And if this definition of love, which I really believe in, you know, in this definition of love, you don't stop for nine months helping each other or, or you know, supporting each other. You don't. And I, I'm going to say again, you really don't. Because that's when, you know, something in the couple can happen that maybe after it cannot be repaired. And believe me, the first six weeks or six months, once the baby comes, things are not easy. And when it comes to, you know, the way that you bring up your the, the baby. So there will be nights that you don't sleep. Let's say for a woman, it, may, it might be a little bit difficult to get over the, the physical, let's say, pains and so on. So... It's not like after you, you give birth, magically, 
you become a couple again. So I think it's important. There's no stop to supporting each other. You stay a couple where both of us give to each other all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, getting to the finish line of the book process really required Rowena's help. I needed her marketing knowledge. I needed all of her, you know, ideas and support and all of that. There was no way to do this without all of that. And the same went for, I remember like you helped me when I had a book talk before the manuscript was even done. And you helped me whip up a fake book cover so that I we can print it, put it on another book, and I can go to this book talk and at least hold a prototype of a book up. And you did all of that. And you're in your first trimester. You're like designing this thing and throwing up. You know, like, but you know, you were you were there to help me out. So, you know, we're gonna wrap this up, I think, right there, because that's the key idea we want to leave everybody with. This reinvention was very intentional, very deliberate, and it can be for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it requires you knowing what you want. And what we wanted was what we wanted. And what you want might be what you want. You have to decide what that is. And then from there, you know, you decide how to go get it. But know what you want. Set your standards, set your goals, set your outcomes, and then go after it. And what I can promise you is that if you do that, what well, we can promise you, if you support each other, and our mantra is teamwork makes the dream work, then you can make anything happen. I think we'll leave it right there. Awesome. Hey, maybe we'll do more of these. I like this a lot. I think we should. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.